And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, welcome to the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growlin, Paul Inner Jr., and Jay Morrison of The Athletic are excited to be here with you. Jay, what is it? Is it that's got us both in our OU gear today. I don't know. Was there some? I didn't feel any particular inspiration other than it just looked good on the on the rack and it's hoodie season. But we're both in OU gear. It's in the it's just you know when it gets to be fall, the leaves start turning. You start thinking about Athens wistfully. Especially uh, my son is at Athens and he is going to be driving home for the Bengals Dolphins game on Thursday. So uh, he asked me if I was going to come to homecoming last weekend was parents weekend. Couldn't make it. I was in New York. So I took him out to dinner virtually by sending him some Venmo, which I doubt he spent on dinner. He probably spent on beer. Um, (laughs) And so I don't know. uh, Homecoming is the weekend of the Ravens game. I don't know if that's going to be a possibility to make either, but yeah, it does. It does. This is the time of season that reminds you of OU. I've worn this hat on the, the show a couple of times. My shirt is green. It is not OU. It's a drink local Cincinnati shirt, but we do. We kind of match. We do. It's good. Uh, anytime we can, we can support Athens. I'm always on board as everybody. I think uh, that follows the Bengals probably agrees. Uh, Support for Athens is a support for Joe Burrow, and, and I know you all get behind that. Um, let's uh, let's talk real quick. Uh, we're going to have get to our news. Uh, we are going to run through some promotional stuff we got, which is very exciting. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot about Thursday night football, uh, offense, defense, both sides. Mo, Joe Moeger is going to join us, of course. As always, we've got some of your questions that you have, um, including one from across the pond and then some from YouTube here. Thanks, everybody that's watching on YouTube. Good to have you guys hang out with us. If you have questions that you'd like us to answer, just drop them in there. I see a few of them now. Uh, So we'll, we'll try to get to those towards the end of the show. But we're full on into Thursday. This is our game preview show. Uh, so we're going to have predictions, growler bets, all that stuff today. We're shoving it all into one show in the short week because... <laughs> We have our special show tomorrow that is going to be our two-on-two series returns, uh, this time with former Bengals left tackle and potential future Hall of Famer, current Amazon host, Andrew Whitworth, and Thursday's inductee into the Bengals Ring of Honor, Willie Anderson, both going to be on here together. Their careers overlapped, and they were sort of a passing of the torch. And uh, I've heard many conversations that they've had together. They're fascinating. They're both experts on offensive line play. They both teach it. They both live it. I think there's a chance they may both end up in the Hall of Fame. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a really fascinating conversation of not just about this Bengals team, not just about being a Bengals alum these days, not just about the offensive line, but about really the big picture of, you know, them and their careers and 
what it means for them going forward in the hall. I'm just there's just so many topics to check off with two of the arguably best scribe win favorites in locker room history. Yes. That uh I, I just I can't wait for it. It's gonna be a fantastic show. We'll have that up tomorrow. Yeah, I, I mean I wit feels like a lock to me to make the Hall of Fame. That that winning the Super Bowl last year and just yeah. capping it off. And you you wonder if you know, Willie keeps getting close, but if he if he keeps getting shut out and Witt passes him, does that close the door? It's it's an interesting conversation. I'm I'm I think with a lot of our listeners on in the boat that that Willie deserves to be in there. Um, so it is. I'm I'm really looking forward to talking to those guys. Uh, Willie is always uh, fun and um, light, but you're right. It, that just what they can offer on offensive line play, what they've seen from the Bengals this year. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to catching up with them. Yeah, if you want to learn about offensive line play, uh, you really can't dial up two better names than those two. So excited about that. Um, also, want to remind you, we have a book. We have a book. Oh, wait, I've got it here. Hold on. Oh. Did you go buy CJ? one? They sent it. I got my copy. Oh. I didn't buy one. I got mine. I, you, people should buy one. Joe Burrow, Rise of Joey Franchise. Right here, a collection of all the goodies from uh, those of us at The Athletic, um, including myself and Jay, triumphbooks.com slash Joe Burrow, if you want to go pick up our book, which is out on, it's great to drop into your man cave or wherever out now. Um, Great stuff. It goes all the way back. Goes all the way back to stories from Brody Miller on his LSU days, John Greenberg uh, on his Athens roots. I mean, we had so many great stories over the course of the last three years. They compiled the best ones into that, and uh, it's a lot of fun to read. And you can read Jay and I all over again, which I know you love <laughs> to do. Um, Jay's got a story up now on Bengals Dolphins 2019, also known as one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> two teams fighting against themselves in natural convention so many decisions to make do you win do you lose what happens the Bengals certainly feel like they came out the winner in that one but uh, it's a great story and, and Zach Taylor really good reliving that yesterday Jay yeah he was and I I, I was wondering how often he, he he doesn't seem like a second guesser and that's why I asked him if he ever thinks about the what if if, if they win that game and they somehow don't end up with Joe Burrow and and he said no, that he, he never thinks of it that way. But they still use plays from that game uh, and show them to the guys on this team. Um, situationally, uh, the, the I guess you said the never give up element. I mean, everybody in the city wanted him to lose that game. They, they came back. It would have been the biggest comeback in franchise history, 23 points. Um, they got it to overtime, eventually ended up losing. And... Uh, people forget that if they won that game, if everything else stayed the same, they still would have got the number one pick. They won the next week. Um, and even with that win the next week, if every other result stayed the same, they still would have had the number one pick and still would have got Joe Burrow. But um, who, who knows the way teams might have played things differently um, in week 17 after the Bengals uh, had the Bengals not clinched the number one pick in week 16. But um, Zach was really good about uh, kind of going back and reliving the game a little bit and expressing expressing his frustration about uh, still getting questions about whether they wanted to lose that game. I thought he had the great line that was, it was a bit of the, you can see the soul of our team 
on that from that game. And you know, Jay, you went back and you pointed it out in your story. Uh, four of the ten players that remain from that forty-six man that day mm-hmm. have been captains uh, yes. at one point or another. I mean, really, it was. I mean, we. I remember writing about it then. I mean, you, you can't you can't tell me they weren't trying to win when Eifert is trying to pull up an injured Tyler Boyd to get him to stand up as, to avoid the ten second runoff at the end of the game, coming back from down thirty five to twelve. The stupidest comeback you'll ever see. Randy Bullock has the worst onside kick you've ever seen in history the previous week, and then hits an absolutely perfect one for arguably the first time ever uh, as part of the comeback for them to come back. Oh, crazy game. I loved I still contend to this day. It's my last thing I'm going to say about this. That game should have ended only one way. The Dolphins should have lined up at the end of overtime, because you remember they kicked at the end of overtime, mm-hmm. and they should have lined up for the kick, and instead of kicking it with the time – with time on it, they should have let it run down and snapped it just after the time ran off, made the kick to prove we could have won, we did win, <laughs> but we chose not to do so. That's what should have happened there. But I, I digress. Um, let's talk about news. DJ Reader is what everybody wants to know about right now, uh, and that includes us. Uh, no real update on him. Saw him leave the building in crutches yesterday. Um, I don't know that that's really a surprise. I I mean, he's not playing Thursday. I don't – he's not playing Thursday. So we'll see how long he's going to be out. No, I mean, no one's told me that, but it's insane to think that he's going to play yeah. uh, on Thursday. So how long? I don't know. Will he go on IR? We will find out. Remember, they don't they haven't really felt the need to make IR moves. Drew Sample's still sitting there on the active roster mm-hmm. right now, even though everybody knows he needs to go on IR just because they haven't been forced to make a move until they need to utilize their inactive spots uh, to avoid healthy guys or whatever, to clear the deck on that and pick somebody up. They don't really just feel the need to make that move for no reason. So uh, they just wait and see what shakes out, and we'll see what shakes out with Reader. Uh, maybe we'll hear more, hear more on that today in a short week. Yeah, you do want. I, re- I remember the, I can't remember which training camp it was, but Michael Johnson uh, had a knee injury, and everybody thought it was the worst. And the the difference between MCL and ACL is so great. And I don't want to speculate and say that's what it is for DJ, but but the the fact that they they feel like he avoided the worst case scenario, which was ACL. Um, if it is a different tendon in there, you're looking at you know maybe a, a three four week minimum missing, and that. That would basically result in an IR stint, you would think. Um, But still, just the way he sounded after that game, um, he he was smiling. He was he was happy with the win. He was happy with the 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 initial prognosis on the knee. Um, Best case scenario, I a lot of people think best case scenario would be playing Thursday night. That just that seems out of the question. Um, so that's, that's where DJ Reader stands. Josh Tupo will, will fill in there. And I think you'll see that backfill with Jay Tefele as the backup guy. Um, you know, this is going to be more of, you know, this is going to be more of a, maybe a Dax Hill game to preview a question that we're going to get later, but where you're not, the Dolphins aren't running the ball very well. 3.3, 3.4 for their main running backs means they're, they're not running that great. Um, so you're going to have more of your 
your passing teams on the field, more of your pass rushers on the field, I think for this particular instance makes it a little bit easier um, to deal with not having reader. It's not like one of these teams that are trying to power run you more often, like actually the last three that they just played against where DJ has been playing his face off. Um, All right. Uh, White helmets this week, Jay. Finally. The white helmets are here. The white field is here. Mm -hmm. They've painted the field white uh, in the end zones and uh, on the midfield. Uh, everybody's supposed to wear white uh, to answer a question that I got when at, in a call. No, hell no, Jay and I aren't wearing white. Uh, uh, everybody it's after else Labor Day. Is, is ha- <laughs> uh, so we will, uh, but we'll, we we will be there covering it. Maybe a Blazer game. I'm not sure yet, Jay. I'm weighing the potential of a way of a Blazer game here uh, on Thursday. But uh, white helmets, a uh, lot of excitement, I guess for that on Sunday. Tyreek Hill had a rant for Eli Apple mm-hmm. uh, when asked about who they were playing. That was a very cringeworthy um, interview. It was. It felt so staged mm. and just sort of like that's what at the end of Chad here, thing, it was like, okay, everyone's gathering around. He's putting on his act. Who and he like takes his shot. I owe you, boy. I owe you, boy. Did act like he didn't know who they were playing. You know, it was very, it was very odd and contrived. And maybe that's what a lot of Tyreek Hill is doing these days. I know he's trying to make waves for his podcast, uh, but it felt <laughs> it felt a bit like that today. I mean, they the Bengals did do a really good job against Tyreek last year, and I, I I'm sure. Eli talked a little bit um, and that play before halftime, that's that's what everybody points as is a difference in that game. I, I'm sure that doesn't sit well with Tyreek either, but um, I, I think Eli has done a good job of, of not taking the bait. Who knows? Maybe on the field it'll get a little nasty. But um, if you remember Sunday at, in New York, he he got into it with Corey Davis and Corey Davis got the 15-yard penalty. Eli did not. That could have easily gone as an offsetting. So I, Lou kind of talked about Eli's growth yesterday and um, made the joke about him ju- doing the Pac-Man Jones jump on the the stanchion that holds up the the uh, goalpost and and slid down it. Um, I, I Eli was approached multiple times in the locker room yesterday and did not want to talk. I. I have a feeling he's going to be holding his tongue this entire week until game night. Yeah, you know, good for him, right? Mm-hmm. That's the right move. Shut up, don't respond, save it for the game. There's no reason to get into some war of words during the week. Just bottle it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. and I think that's um a step in the right direction for him. Uh, considering a lot of his history and, and a lot of that stuff getting him in trouble. And who knows? Maybe he's just savoring, saving it for a uh, a Twitter rant on Wednesday night. I know you never quite know with Eli <laughs> Apple, uh, but maybe that for now, I think he does seem to be taking uh, probably the path that everybody would like to see him take inside the coaches' offices uh, at Paycor Stadium. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep. 
You heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, Jay, let's start with topic one. And to me, that's this Bengals defense versus this Dolphins offense, right? Mm-hmm. The the Dolphins offense has come out of these three weeks as the grand shiny new toy in the NFL, right? Everybody's on board. Tua is lighting the world up. Waddle and Hill are this two-headed speed monster that are just ravaging teams. They just beat the Bills. They're undefeated. They're explosive. And how do you stop them, right? Well, points per drive, Dolphins are first. Touchdowns per drive, Dolphins are first. Expected points added, Dolphins are second in the league. Yards per play, they're third. Go down the list of all these stats. They're top five, if not first, in most everything. They are efficient. Mike McDaniel is getting already getting the like guru, wizard, uh, any number of uh, describers that you would like. Uh, genius, right? All that stuff is already being thrown around. And here's this Bengals defense, Jay. Under the radar again. Under discussed again. Playing great again and now facing their first real test of 2022, their first starting quarterback. I said that in the press conference yesterday, and I don't know you mean to be disparaging to Mitch Trubisky, who technically is a starting quarterback this year, (laughs) but no, he's not. They're all backups. Starter by default. Yeah, starter by default, just because Pittsburgh doesn't have a starting quarterback on the roster. But anyway, you got this Bengals defense that is – First, tied for first in touchdowns allowed per drive on a 20-drive streak without allowing a TD. Going against this Dolphins team that's getting all the headlines. It's so fitting, right? It's like the team getting all the headlines and no one's going to talk about the Bengals' defense again, but here it doesn't matter because they get a chance to go out and and prove it under the lights on Thursday. Yeah, and it is. The degree of difficulty element of it, I I do, I think – I'd be stunned if that drives without allowing a touchdown streak gets too far into the game Thursday night. Um, But it's interesting because the Dolphins, everybody's got them as these world beaters and the hottest team in the league. I mean, it took a 21-point comeback, kind of a miraculous comeback to beat Baltimore. And if there's one more second on the clock Sunday – the Dolphins have a shot at a game-winning field goal. They, I mean, they're that close to being one and two, but it it is a it is an explosive offense. Bringing Tyreek Hill and put him in next to Waddle. Um, it's I'm most interested to see because it kind of goes back to what you're saying before with this this beef with with Tyreek Hill and Eli Apple. 
I mean, Lou Anarumo talked about it yesterday about how much they're they're traveling Cheeto. I would assume they view Tyreek Hill as a better receiver than Jalen Waddle. And if if it's Cheeto following Tyreek Hill all day on Thursday night, um, maybe maybe we don't even see that Eli Apple matchup. But the other element there, the tight end, Gesicki, he's he's not a Travis Kelsey, but he is a weapon, um, a big guy. And I, I think it's going to be a big game for Trey Flowers, too, to shut him down and, and take that element out of it. Um, completely different offenses, Chiefs and Dolphins. But I think Bengals fans can, can feel confident that it, it's not going to turn into this crazy track meet. Maybe it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I don't think it's going to be this crazy thing uh, when, when you look at how Lou approached Kansas City last year and really kind of said, okay, Kelsey and Hill aren't going to beat us. Try to do it with, with other pieces. And uh, we'll, we'll see what he has in store for them Thursday night. But I, I don't think they're going to be shutting down the Miami Dolphins. No, but this is a chance for him to really put out What's there that? the new, whatever his new ideas are. I mean, he didn't really need to use them a bunch the last three weeks. Now, you know, whether it's Dax Hill, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, just a lot of new disguises or whatever it is to try to confuse to a, whatever that is, um, this does seem like an opportunity the first time they're playing a team that has that sort of speed and you can go speed on speed, uh, a chance a chance to use that. You know, whether it, will Cheeto travel? I don't know. Jay, you've got stats uh, on Cheeto being targeted this year. Um the next gen stats are great. Chita Chita he leads the league in defensive EPA uh, when targeted this year. So he's been as good as any quarterback when people are throwing at him. But Jay, you know, they're throwing at him a lot. Yeah, twice as much as Eli, and, and twice as much. Um, yeah, twice as much as Mike Hilton as well. Um, it it kind of struck me. It was like, is is this a sign that that Eli Apple has really progressed because it. Other teams are targeting Cheeto so much, but a lot of that goes to the fact that he's following their best receiver. So of course they're gonna they're gonna try to get the ball to that that best receiver. But so Eli Apple has been targeted 15 times this year. Um, 11 of those have resulted in catches for 136 yards. Mike Hilton targeted 16 times this year, 10 catches for 94 yards. Cheeto targeted 33 times. 11 catches, 102 yards. One out of every three times he's targeted, the, the opposing offense is completing the pass. I mean, he's just – he is playing terrific. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. And and now you saw, you know, the defensive line really come alive last week. Um, the first two weeks, the, you know, the pressure numbers weren't quite what you were hoping to see. They weren't really getting over after the quarterbacks as much. And this, you know, Sunday – people will point to Trey Hendrickson and they should like Trey Hendrickson played great. He was a total game wrecker. I mean, three sacks, three strips. He had another hit on the quarterback that should have produced uh, an interception. I mean, he was just the absolute game wrecker that you want him to be. He would break through chips and the left tackle to get to the quarterback. I mean, just checking every box of a dominant edge rusher, but 
that overshadowed how great of a game everybody else had, whether it was Reader. B.J. Hill had a fantastic game uh, yeah. creating pressure up the middle. Joseph Osai was in on some of those, and they, they were really giving him more run, um, whether it was partially filling in as uh, to give guys a breather, but also on the inside of that pass rush package. They've liked him inside there as sort of that inside racer against the guard. And... It was working. Now, the Jets are certainly not going to be confused with one of the better offensive lines in football, but neither are the Dolphins. And you know they do a good job of getting it out fast and being anticipatory with the throws that Tua makes. But, you know, they've got a lot of big guys. They can get in there fast. And, you know, the ability to, to build on that, build on that Jets game, I think is going to be a big part of Thursday as well. And another reason to, to – try to get out to a lead fast. I mean, that's that's what happens. You you build a lead and you can really tee off like that. And I mean, I thought Osai rushed pretty well. I thought Sample looked good. Um, there's a lot there's a lot to like about what you saw from the pass rush on Sunday. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the three strips by Trey because I was I didn't know if I was wrong or if there was a stat change because I, yesterday I looked to see uh, where three forced fumbles ranks in NFL history. And, and Peanut Tillman is the only person that's ever had four. And there's only been about 20 that have three. Trey Hendricks is not on that list. I went back and I looked at the game book and I think they took one away from him because really? now he, he's only, he is only credited with two forced fumbles. BJ Hill is credited with the other one. Ah. So it just, just, in, it just, it, it increases what a good game it was for bj hill two fumble recoveries uh a, a sack or i think it was a half sack and then a forced fumble um he was a force in there as well yeah um so we'll we'll see how much of that translates over but you know a Bengals defense you know that, that ranks near the top and everything and and this is a chance to really see how good they are and how much they are picking up where they left off last year and and try to you know, they made their name last year by slowing down Tyreek Hill and one of the most explosive offenses yeah. in football. And we'll see if they can uh, reestablish themselves this year by doing the same. Um, this has kind of been a full, uh, an idea of mine uh, for a long time, and that is that's, that the travel on that short week, that both teams are on short weeks, but the travel late in that short week it does. It does seem to wear on teams, and then you have a Bills team that had ninety defensive snaps, ninety defensive snaps on Sunday in an emotional win over the Bills. I mean, the Dolphins should. I mean, they're going to come in here, uh, certainly uh, feeling a lot of pressure to try to get back up to that level again. It, all those signs would point to. You know, the Bengals being in a good spot to take advantage. They, they would. And, and you look at that injury report that the Dolphins put out yesterday. What was there? 15 guys that would have yeah. either not practiced or would have been limited, uh, including, including Tua, Tua and Waddle and some big names on that. Um, yeah, it's 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 always a tough task. I I was I went through and looked at every Thursday night game and then what the teams did and where they were the week before. And a couple interesting things stuck out. Uh, one, I tallied because it was easy. There's only five of them. The other one I did not tally, but it's something that you guys may want to keep in mind um, for for future betting purposes. It, the team that is at home 
before going on the road on Thursday night has an incredible success rate. It's like they know it's a short week. It's going to be hard to go on the road and win on a short week. And they, they, I don't know if you want to say they sell out, but they, whatever it is, there's, they have a great success and the Dolphins are a, a part of that. They, they upset a, a very good Bills team ahead of their road trip to Cincinnati Thursday night. But the, the one that I thought I found most interesting was this is since the start of 2020. And I didn't include Thanksgiving Day games because those are a little different. The the Lions and the Cowboys are just used to doing this. And I didn't include the season openers because that's not really a short week. You had all you had all uh, preseason to, to get ready for that one game. So on, on the regular Thursday night games, there have been 25, only five of them have both teams been coming off of a win. And that's the case here. Bengals won at the Jets. Miami won at home against Buffalo. Uh, in those five previous games, the road team was four and one. Jeez, Jay. <laughs> Sorry to bring, bring you down. The Bengals fans. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll pop you up. I went back to the last five years. Just I didn't do, go as deep as to exclude the openers and Thanksgivings. 31 and 38 is the road team record on Thursday night football overall. But they're 37, 31 and one against the line. So... I, it's probably it's probably a, a, a small advantage one way or the other. Bengals favored by two and a half in that game, and that is relevant because time to bring in our good friend and yours, Mo Egger, onto the show. What's up? What's hey, going Mo. on, Mo? How are we doing? I'm doing great. What's new? What's happening? Uh, not too much. We need to uh, we need to review last week's bets, which I don't remember for entertainment purposes only. Of course, zero money on the line, or would we ever even consider such things? Jay, uh, what did we do last week? How'd it go? Um, okay, so we'll start with Mo. He had another future bet, so he's got another he's got another pending bet on the line. But the 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 one bet he made that was for Sunday was he took the Bengals money line. Uh, so. He bet ten dollars and he won seven forty one on that one. Uh, Paul, you went under fifty one and a half for Bills Dolphins. That lost. You went ten dollars on that. You went over forty five and a half. I'm sorry. You went under forty five and a half for the Bills Jets. That that one you hit. Wait, there. what are we talking about? I'm confused. I'm sorry. What did I you, do? You took the <laughs> o- you took the over on Bills Dolphins over fifty one and a half. Was I on last week's show? <laughs> So that that did not hit, but you took the under on Bengals Jets forty five and a half, and that did hit. Okay, um, I took Jets plus four and a half, didn't hit. I took Steelers tight end Pat Fryermuth over thirty six and a half receiving yards. He had no catches for no yards until the final drive, and he caught a twenty two yarder and a nineteen yarder on back to back plays for a great backdoor cover. Finished with forty one yards and hit the over. So I bet eight on that. Do we know where we're at for the season? All I know yes. is my long-range Doug Peterson coach of the year looking outstanding at this moment. Uh, Paul is currently at plus $35. Mo units. Is, units. <laughs> Mo is plus 2.41 units, and yeah. I am at I am at minus 0.4 units. Well, that's not good, Jay. No, it's not. Uh, Mo uh, tweets. What do we got for most tweets? Yeah, so uh, it was 136 last week, kind of back up uh, a rise over the last two weeks. And um, his 
he had a, a a tweet. His most liked tweet was one that involved baseball. And <laughs> wow! And the people Reds do like if baseball. you can believe that. <laughs> Unbelievable! A gratuitous shot at the Reds late on Friday night. A totally yeah. unneeded, completely unnecessary, from out of nowhere, just punch at the Reds that one might say they deserved, but uh, felt a little gratuitous after I hit send. If if you can't read it on there on the on the graphic, it's a little small. He said, "Seeing a player hit his 700th home run is rare." As a drinking age adult, I've seen it happen twice. As a drinking age adult, I've seen the Reds advance in the postseason zero times. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. All you're facts. doing is just putting facts onto the internet, Mo. I don't, you know, there's no harm in that. Um, I want to start here with this, Mo. And uh, when we talk about reaction, uh, the fast start obviously was the conversation all week. It was the conversation after the game. What do you are you a are you a take the ball for the rest of the year guy? Are you a take the ball until uh, the luck runs out again guy? Do, do you believe that was clearly the difference? The coin flip decision changed the game. The coin flip decision, but just to me more than anything, the aggressiveness the first time they had the football. You know, yeah. you put in your piece 12 plays, 11 passes, um, mm. and, you know, we saw a double pass. We we saw some some creativity. I mean, to me, that's, that stood out more than the mechanics of, of taking the football first, but I mean, look, I think like most, like most modern NFL fans, like most modern NFL coaches, I would prefer to start the second half with the football, and with the way this team's defense is playing, I think you feel pretty good about the fact that you're not going to fall behind 7 nothing, and that is despite some of their early game defensive issues. You should feel confident in this defense. At the same time, look, man, if 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 this is the, the magic elixir for the short term and Joe's like, look, I have an easier time establishing a rhythm and getting into the game if I get the ball first and we're better off playing with the lead, let's do it. Let's do it. it, it to me, it doesn't have to be a hard and fast rule moving forward like, we're going to take the ball no matter what. And let's face it, they're not going to win the coin flip every single week. And so oftentimes, you know, roughly 50% of the time, I guess, that decision is going to be made for them. But I think for the short term, you stumbled into something that worked. Why deviate from it? It doesn't have to be something that, you know, five years from now, we look back at week three against the Jets in 2022 is the moment at which the Bengals and a bunch of other NFL teams decided to not defer and take the ball first. But... <laughs> For now, I do think they found something. And so for Thursday and for the short term, I I wouldn't I wouldn't deviate from it. And again, you know, Joe's the most important person in the organization. So for me, if he says, look, I want the ball first, well, for now, I'm giving him the ball first. I mean, everything had to go right on that drive. They they had to convert a third and eight, a third and nine, and then a third and goal at the twelve to to get that to get that early touchdown. I, I, I'm more of, I, I liked it that they needed a spark. Um, Joe said he does prefer it. Obviously I still would. I mean, there's a reason analytics exist and it's, sure. it's, it's, I mean, it, it's proven that you, that chance to double up there is such a huge advantage and the Bengals are really good at it. People forget they, they got the double up against, Pittsburgh um they they didn't against Dallas but that they've done a really good job of getting points before the the end of the half and then scoring on their first drive of the third quarter that's that's a difference maker and if it's just as as much as 
an advantage as it is to get the spark with scoring early, you really put yourself behind if you don't, because then you're, you're a possession behind already. And the other, the opponent has the choice to get that double up. So I'm, I, 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 Zach said that they address it every week and they talk about it every week. This wasn't something new this week, but I had looked it up 26 of the previous 27 times they won the toss. They deferred. I, I don't think they're just going to go away from that now. I, I think I think this was a one-off, and um, if if they win it Thursday night, I think you'll see them go back and defer again. I think they'd rather not win it and have to make yeah, that decision just, again. Like, just, <laughs> right. let's not have the players think that we did the wrong thing. Like, it's, just, it's because like we're talking about you're living deep in the margins here. Okay, like the actual difference. Uh, I, I think it's more mental. I think it's more psychological. And Zach, you know. He hinted at that last week. Said you're looking at ways to to help the psychology of the team in these situations to feel that urgency or whatever it is, and that's what it was last week. I think that was part of it. Was we can try to help the psychology of this mm-hmm. team by doing this, and will will that continue? Okay, I, I I would say you you run with it until the psychology is maybe no longer affected by it. I don't think it makes that big of a difference in the real big picture because, like you said, Jay, they've shown they can do it either way. I think there's minutia involved. I think you go out and you actually be able to, you know, find explosive plays or occasionally run the football for more than a yard and you'll have a better chance of winning the game. It's not about coin flips. It's about attitude um, and execution. That atmosphere is going to be so electric Thursday night, though. I, I think it, it's almost better if you put the defense out there and Absolutely. get a stop on the first possession. At home, at yeah. home in a, in a in an environment where people have been drinking since Mo. When does the show start at the Holy Grail? Thursday uh, <laughs> uh, noon. 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 Yeah. yeah. Well, noon. actually, you know what? Actually, they're coming down too hard at that point. I don't know. Maybe you got to get it get the cheers in early before everybody yeah. leaves or falls over or whatever. Yeah, I mean, for for the folks who start at noon by eight fifteen, they're they're not going to be paying attention to the coin flip. Let's not no. let's not kid ourselves. No, they're just going to yell when they're told to yell. All right, let's just take a quick break. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm in I'm in favor of 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 riding the hot hand as stupid as that sounds as non-analytical as that sounds and, and again as a general rule sure uh you want the consecutive possessions wrapped around halftime I'm all for that but I, I don't know I, I just I could tell you from the standpoint of a fan starting fast and having the lead there was a sense of relief there was a okay all right they, they can finally play from ahead. Certainly the game wasn't over by any stretch. And yeah, it's obviously going to be a different environment, <clears throat> excuse me, a different environment at home. Um, but they've had two games now in which they've fallen behind early and never came back. They've had a game in which they established a lead and never really came close to relinquishing it. Um, I'm going to go with that formula for the short term, for the short term, for Thursday, maybe for the Baltimore game. And if it blows up in their face, it blows up in their face. But for the short term, I like playing from ahead. And the Bengals did that on Sunday. I'm going to try to do it again on Thursday. They did come back in those two games. I mean, they didn't come back and win, but they came back and erased 14-point deficits. I mean, getting back to zero, that's... Yeah, but that was... I mean, they did. Certainly against against Pittsburgh and and Dallas, they did come back. They should have won the Pittsburgh game. But, man, that was an uphill battle. That They were swimming upstream the entire day. I'd I'd like to I'd like to establish a lead and play from out. You know, look again. Seven nothing is very overcomable in this league. We've seen it on both ends of that. But I just I don't know, man. Uh, Joe says he wants the ball first, but but again, it's it's getting the ball first. But then there's also, you know, we're going to hand it off two times and and throw a, a check down pass and punt on fourth and four. Well, then what's the point? But if you're going to go with your foot on the gas and look, they had to execute. They needed some luck in that in that drive, but. I just saw a different looking offense. Was that because of the psychology involved in taking the ball first? Is is it because I don't know? Joe was more comfortable with the actual plays called. I just I saw a different looking offense. Is there a correlation or is it a coincidence? I don't know, but I'd like to see if I can get it again on Thursday. It looked like the type of offense everybody expected to see the yeah. first drive of Week One. It looked like a team that woke the hell up is what it looked like, and understood that you got to really show up and won it in order to win in this league and not just trot out there in Bengals stripes and say that you were the AFC champions. That's what it looked like. It wasn't about coin tosses. It was about a team waking the hell up and realizing it's time to play this year and Dude. not just sitting there in their, you know, what we call it the Super Bowl hangover. Fine. They were hung the hell over the first two weeks. Yeah. Is, is this more about coin toss or white helmets this week? Oh, white helmets, right? I mean, just talk if, more about white helmets. What if they take the ball to start the game in their white helmets? Is the conversation, well, they have to wear their white helmets every game and take the ball to start the game? <laughs> They're not allowed to do that. Here. A lot of complexities here. A lot of complexities <laughs> here. Can they just do white helmets for one drive and then switch? Boy, it's a good it, question. Alternating helmet drives. Maybe. Look, I, I watched folks on Twitter last night argue about whether the end zone needs a new because I, I guess they're painting it white and black. And I remarked Channel 9 uh, sent a tweet out 
because uh, they're carrying the game via Prime, I guess, and they were painting the end zone. And I remarked, hey, that looks slick. And then I went about my night. How dare you? And then about four hours later, I looked at the mentions. Oh, oh there's a lot of Sherwin-Williams out there. Uh, <laughs> we were arguing about the uh, the amount of, of coats needed to successfully complete yeah. the, the whitening of the end zone. So <laughs> wow, I'm Sherwin-Williams. There's a, there's a part of me not necessarily ready for the fighting over the color white on Thursday. So if, if I can engage in more coin flip discussions, yeah. sign me up. I will always sign up for more coin flip discussions. Uh, we got to make our, our totally uh, for entertainment purposes, only fictional uh, bets to get the season going. Uh, Mo, I'll let you kick it off. This has been a weird year in the league so far, and I expect this trend to reverse, but uh, the under is 31 and 17 this year. Uh, which is staggering over the first three weeks, and that could be a lot of different things. It could be the fact that defenses are merely ahead of the offenses because of of just the way the preseason plays out and and training camp. It could be a a complete and total coincidence. But the the under is uh, hitting roughly two thirds of the time. The under is three and zero in Bengals games. The under is one and two in Dolphins games. It's forty seven. We're on a short week. I I know everybody's slobbering over Tyreek Hill and. Tua Tangavailoa and the possibility for this Bengals offense. But on a short week in the season of the under, overs are going to start hitting by the time we get to the midway point of the season. I don't think that trend is going to reverse on Thursday. So I'm going to go under, I think it's 47 and a half at last, uh, at last glance, under 47 and a half Bengals and Dolphins. I'm going to go 19 units on that. Woo. Wow. Um, because I, I want to leave one unit for something that is almost uh, it's it's incalculable. Is that the word? It's impossible to 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 wrap mathematics around this unless you're actually going to count. This is the Ring of Honor night, mm-hmm. right? So you got Isaac Curtis and Willie Anderson going in. The 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 two two just absolute legends. Willie should be in the Hall of Fame. Isaac Curtis, my dad's all time favorite player. My one dollar wager is this that most of the people who spent years complaining about the fact that the Bengals don't honor their former players will not be in their seats when those two guys get inducted into the <laughs> Ring of Honor on, on Thursday night. And I know this because I was at the game last year, and I listened to these people for years complain. They don't do a Ring of Honor. How awesome would it be for a Ring of Honor? Why don't they? And they did one, and I look around me, and nobody's there. Look, I'm not a big like, hey, sit in your seats and do this guy. But these two dudes have been waiting a long time to be honored by this team. Get your beer at the two minute warning and applaud Isaac and Big Willie. Thank you. We we just got done talking about how important the, the last two minutes of the first half are, Mo. These people got to pee. Um, <laughs> That's fine. Uh, That's fine. Time it out right. I mean, there, there's also there's a billion TV timeouts. Figure it out. Like, you can't have it both ways. Like, if you've been one of these people that for years was like, you know what? I don't care if they have a ring of honor. Go. Go do what you got to do. And by the way, I'm a big meet up with my friends at halftime guy. But you can't spend years complaining that they don't do the ring of honor. And then when they do the ring of honor, you know, you're out shotgunning a beer in the concourse. So there's my $1 wager. You look around that stadium, it's going to be half full and it shouldn't be. Okay. We'll work I don't on, know how you calculate We'll work that. on judging that. Yeah, you I'm just going to score that as a dollar. push. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. It's worth it for the rent. You paid for the rent. Uh, Jay, what do you got? Uh, so I, I found this, I guess it's a prop, uh, but talking about the fast starts, and it, it could be the Bengals with the fast start, or it could be the degree of difficulty and the, the 
deep Bengals defense gets caught flat footed, but uh, first drive of the game ends in a touchdown plus three twenty. Um, I'm going to go ten dollars on that and try to triple up. And then uh, for my non Bengals bet, I'm I'm going to jump on Paul's bandwagon and go Jaguars plus six and a half against the three and O Eagles. O and two teams are very desperate, and I feel like I'd have to look this up. But I feel like O and two teams win more often than they lose. I think three and O teams lose more often than they win. They're a little fat and happy starting the season three and O, and I think the Jags are they've got something brewing down there. Uh against the Eagles, by the way. I think you know that's correct, but you knew that a long time ago. Welcome (laughs) to the bandwagon. Good to have you on board. Uh, I'm the driver. So uh, here's the – first of all, great comment that we need to stop calling it units and start calling it curlies. Uh, you know, in Jay's honor for curly fries <laughs> for Mike Mannix. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, we we may have to uh, we may have to go along those lines. I have uh, Burrow over one and a half touchdowns thrown. I mean, the way this team can't run the ball in goal to go in red zone situations, they're going to continue to turn to Burrow to throw it down there. I think they're going to score more than a couple of touchdowns. Burrow over one and a half TD passes. Uh, and give me Jay was right, or excuse me, Mo was right in all the unders. Denver at Vegas. Denver can't score. Vegas stinks. Uh, Denver's defense is good though. Give me the under forty six and a half. Denver at Vegas is. Uh, I'm going fifteen on Burrow, five on that Denver Vegas. Fifteen curlies. Fifteen curlies. Fifteen <laughs> curlies on that. All right, Mo. Uh, we have a short week with a different schedule, so I will be on with you on ESPN fifteen thirty from three to four uh, tomorrow on in Wednesday. Studio. Looking, yes. looking, looking forward to that. So we'll be back in the studio. I will not go to the Moreline Logger House this week. We'll miss you, but we'll see you tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Talk to you later, Mo. All right, good to have Mo on and uh, get us in line there. Let's uh, let's 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 keep it rolling here. Um, I do want to touch briefly um, on the other side of this, and that's the Dolphins' defense and the Bengals' offense. You know, Bengals' offense sort of gets more on board uh, last week, and a lot of that, you know, people were talking about the Jets refusing to play the cover two, and you know, I just think that they played what one snap of cover two, uh, the the Jets did, and. Now you have a Dolphins team that plays it some. They play it more and probably be more more willing uh, to do that. Um, but really, they're a pretty good – they're an okay defense. These are not world beaters. I mean, the Dolphins, everyone's talking about their offense. Their defense is okay. If this does turn into a track meet, there's certainly a potential setup for the Bengals to win it. Uh, Dolphins defense ranked 31st in total defense and 31st in pass defense. So, yeah, but it is interesting because, I mean, Xavier Howard is a shutdown corner. It, it's the, the Jets felt pretty good about their corners in man-to-man, and that's why they, they didn't go to the Tampa 2. Do the, do the Dolphins do that and say we're going to let our guys man up on these receivers, or, or do they – do they go more zone and, and see what's worked against these the, the Bengals? Um, I I think the Bengals are going to find ways to score regardless of what they do. I, that that was such a momentum jolt last year or uh, last week. Um, we'll we'll see if they can get Joe Mixon going, but the run game is really the going to be the difference here. 
because if they can't run the ball, that's going to really change the way the the Dolphins can attack them. And if if they can get mixing going just even at an average pace, I think that could really open things up for Burrow in this passing game. Um, I don't. I mean, I don't know what would make you think that's suddenly going to happen, though. I mean, Jay, you've got the year over year stats on Mixon, right? I do. Yeah. So not year over year, but I looked at last year versus this year, and how many times his first contact comes in the backfield. So this year, seven of his sixteen runs on second down have featured him getting hit in the backfield before he even gets a line of scrimmage 12 of 41 first down runs have featured him getting hit behind the line of scrimmage. That's 19 of 57. That's exactly 33.3%. One of every three runs he's, he's sustaining contact in the backfield. That doesn't even include making guys miss in the backfield, which redirects him from the, the path he's supposed to go on. Um, what did it look like last year through three games? Nine of 52 rushes on first down, six of 35 on second down, only 17 of 87, only 19% of the time was he getting hit in the backfield. So you're, it's, it's, it's happening almost twice as much. So the, the, the big question here is, is it Joe? Has he lost a step? Is it the offensive line? These stats would seem to indicate that it, it's a problem with the offensive line. And it kind of goes back to the, the discussion last week where with with Brian Callahan does does it take time with all these new pieces to figure out which runs that they're best at blocking you would like to think they could do it all that's just not the case everybody has their specialties and every individual and then when you look at the the o-line as a collective unit i think they're still figuring it out but they they better figure it out quickly because they're they're wasting Joe Mixon he, and maybe I don't want to totally absolve him either because I do think he's seeing ghosts out there and, and he's always, he's anticipating having to make somebody miss in the backfield. And he, 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 it seems like he hasn't talked about this. Maybe we'll get a chance to ask him. He's, he's not been very open to, to talking this year, but it just feels like he's, he's looking for that cutback and, and looking for the big run as opposed to just putting his head down like Samaj P. Ryan did at the, the end of the, the game in New York and just getting the four or five yards and moving on to the next play. Look, we, we talked about, we touched on this on the walkout. Hmm. He looked as visibly frustrated in any game yep. as I've seen him. I mean, mad and, you know, shrugging his shoulders and kind of got that face. That's not the energetic Joe Mixon that they have fed off of offensively when he he gets up and he's pounding his chest and he's dropping the ball and he's got that hop in his step. Team, They do feed off that when yeah. that's going. Now, granted, it's hard to feel that way when you get thrown down for one yard every single time you touch the ball. And certainly they can't run the ball near the goal line, even a lick. And short yardage is not great. And all of that is combining to being very frustrating for him. I, I, I get that. But, you know, is that rolling over into the way he's running? You know, I mean, is that is he not running with that same energy that you need that's been a big part of his game? It certainly was a part of Samaj Piran at the end. Uh, I, I, I would be really interested in seeing a drive of Samaj Piran. Zach Taylor basically 
he wasn't really diving, mm-hmm. taking the bait on that when we discussed it with him uh, on Monday. Uh, basically, just pointing out Mixon will be fine. He's the guy. Uh, but, you know, doesn't matter. You can say all you want to say. We'll watch on Thursday and see how many carries end up in Samaj P. Ryan, if any. Maybe some do. I'd be curious to see. Uh, let's, let's run, let's, let's move it on here. And, um, let's see here. Let's go with, let's get to Q and A's, right? we got, we got a few, sure. few questions to, to drop into. Let's bring in our, uh, our good friend, Paul Malloy, uh, over on the other side of the pond, uh, who has sent us a, a lot of questions. It was, it was I, I didn't count, do a word count on the email, but it had six questions, I think. And I think it was eight. Uh, Eight questions. We we eventually plucked out. We, we we've got one good one that we wanted to get to. I don't. We we have to dedicate a whole show to you, Paul. And I'm on board with that. Uh, maybe we'll get there. Uh, but for now, I wanted we're gonna start with this one about Tyler Boyd. Uh, now it seems Tyler Boyd never gets targeted anymore. Uh, I believe he sent this before the Jets game, but still. Hmm. Uh, uh, despite having maybe the most dependable hands on the team, Jay probably has some stats on that. It seems a dying shame to me using him more would make us less predictable what are your thoughts on that first of all sending that before the jets game after he has one of the biggest plays of the game <laughs> congrats to you paul uh but also i think it's a, i think it's an interesting topic to dive into as everyone talks about chase and higgins and there's so much focus on throwing the ball to chase you know letting boyd fall through the cracks i think can be a mistake yeah i i do and it's a tough proposition to find uh, relations to how well the Bengals play versus how much Tyler Boyd is involved because he's been on a lot of bad teams. You can say, what's the record when he's targeted this many times? What's the, what's the record when he gets this many yards? The, it, it, the record's bad all the time because he's been on so many bad teams. But to Paul's question about best hands on the team, I found this interesting. I went since the start of 2020, I looked at – Receivers with at least 100 receptions or players with at least 100 receptions and 150 targets. The lowest drop percentage in the NFL, Tyler Boyd, 1.3%. He has two drops on 218 targets. Um, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, J.D. McKissick, Hunter Renfro, those kind of guys right behind him. I flipped it. The highest drop percentage in that time. Jamar Chase, third in the league, 12.8%. T. Higgins, tied for 10th in the league, which that one surprised me, 8.3%. So, yes, Tyler Boyd definitely, I if, you, if the stats don't lie, has the best hands on this team. Now, a lot of it's, the, the shorter routes, the easier passes, he's he's getting open on third down, and um, th- there's a degree of dif- difficulty involved in the catches he's being asked to make. But if you just go straight by drops, he easily has the best hands on this team. Uh, if you just go back to last year and look at games, there's not really a big difference. I mean, they won – when he was not targeted much and they won where mm-hmm. he was a primary target. I mean, I think they were two and two in his highest targeted games and and I think one and three in in his excuse me. They when when he was not targeted, they still won. They were three and one uh when he in his lowest targeted games and two and two in some of his most. I mean it's 
it's kind of a given. There's no real correlation if you're looking for one between look when they forget about Boyd, they lose. That's not the case at all. And um, but you know that that I just I would say that about all these receivers. You know, I don't think necessarily when Chase goes off that that means that they're definitely going to win. Uh, or the same with Higgins. It's 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 just more a matter of the distribution and utilizing everybody. I think when they all are utilized equally is when they're most dangerous and typically when they have their biggest games. And for that reason, I agree with you. Don't forget about Tyler Boyd is a big deal. And that was, you know, that was the case against the Jets. I mean, mm-hmm. look, they they all had their moments, they all had big plays and you could argue Chase was certainly the the least dynamic of the day but still had his moments. So, um, you know, I I I think you're right in that in that thought. Uh, this question from Mark Grayson on Twitter said, I'm calling it Thursday will be the Dax Hill game. Thoughts? Well, if the Dax Hill games means more than six snaps, then probably. I, I you know, when you're trying, what? What are we talking about? When you're facing Miami, what's it all about? Speed, right? How do you counter speed with more speed? You just drafted speed. Can I say speed more? I mean, that's really what this is about, right? I mean, Dax Hill is here to counter speed. And so when he comes in as your third safety or however you want to do it on normal downs, he counters speed. And he can chase guys down. He can get into spots. Now, we know how Lou Anarumo feels. We played it for you last week. Uh, he, he's got to trust him out there. But this certainly would seem to be the game that Dax Hill plays more. Does that mean he's going to have an impact? I have no earthly idea because we haven't seen him play any game where he's really featured yet. We saw some preseason junk. Uh, he has potential, certainly. Um, but, yeah, I, I I would put it in more in play absolutely this week than any other week. Yeah, I mean, because you wonder with, with Jermaine Pratt's knee injury if he's going to be good to go. He He didn't start – he didn't play at all last week, and they actually started Dax Hill and – I think what two of his two of his six snaps in that game were the first two snaps of the game. It was technically the first start of his NFL career, um, and and he still didn't play that much. I I just wonder because Trey Flowers is so good against the tight ends, and and he's going to be that that third safety a lot of even though he's a corner, um, kind of in that third safety role, guarding the tight ends. Um, Gasecki is a real weapon for them, um, but. We'll see. Maybe they, maybe it's Logan Wilson, and and they don't put ADG out there much, and, and instead go with with this this huge big dime package and have extra DBs on there, and Dax Hill gets some more run. Uh, maybe maybe that's the halftime adjustment. They they see if if Cheeto and, and Eli Apple can can shut down Waddle and Hill in the first half, and if it doesn't happen, they they go to that. We we saw that last year where Lou made those adjustments at halftime against Kansas City and really won the game because of them. Um, I just going back to his, I guess you would call it a rant from last week. I'd, I I'd be surprised. I, I real it's really starting to feel like this is going to be a an easing in period before. Uh, we see a whole lot of Dax Hill. Yeah. Um, I want to bring in one question off of our YouTube feed over here, which has gone straight to hell. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's it's just the internet, man. The internet happens and things just get wild. Thank you for those of you that are, that are hanging in there, uh, despite whatever the heck was going on there. Uh, Matt Brewer 
Uh, ADG played so well again. When is he going to get more run? Pratt and Wilson are good, but man, mm-hmm. does ADG just continue to do his job when given run? Akeem Davis Gaither, I would argue his best game he's played uh, yeah. with the Bengals. Against, he was everywhere. Uh, he was making stops. He didn't miss tackles. He was in the right spot. Um, he, you know, this would be a week to play him more. Again, speed versus speed. Right? You're trying to counter speed. Uh, Akeem Davis Gaither plays into that. He's smaller, but he's your smaller, faster guy. You know, you play something uh, where you have Hill and Davis Gaither. I mean, Logan Wilson has plenty of speed, as we saw, as he went from Mm -hmm. the 37 to the 37 on that pick of Joe Flacco running the pike on the uh, Tampa 2 interception, which was an incredible play. So there's no shortage of it. But I think he's somebody you might lean on a little bit more, uh, perhaps. We'll see how, how Pratt is doing. I mean, again, a short week and he just didn't play on Sunday and maybe you don't want to re-aggravate it and give him more time. Akeem Davis Gaither played well. You're trying to play with speed anyway. Be curious to see if if Pratt is even up and if he does, if they don't just kind of keep him up as more of a, a placeholding, smaller sample size emergency type spot. Yeah, I, I, ADG played well against the run. And, and the reason, I mean, he's he is much better than Pratt at, at, in coverage and guarding the backs out of the backfield and that the jets do that a lot. They do a lot of checkdowns. They do a lot of design passes to their running backs. Not sure how much of that you're going to see from the dolphins. So it'll, it'll be a feeling out kind of thing. Um, I, I, it all, it's all a ripple effect with how much Pratt can play, but I do, I, I think ADG has, uh, earned the right to be on the field more, but again, you can only play 11 guys. So people want eighty. Yeah, I know that's Dax the problem. Hill on more, they can't even get right. him on. You know, you're gonna you're gonna take Hilton off. What are you What are you gonna do? I, I mean, just in place of Pratt, maybe is really what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. Pratt had been playing fairly well. I'm I'm okay with it. I, I think they have some decisions to make there. It's probably more again what Lou Anarumo loves that week to week the game plan can change. Pratt and Akeem Davis Gaither are two very different types of linebackers, and I think the ability to morph the game plan week to week is a part of what they love about this defense. And I think that's why a guy like Davis Gaither is a better fit this week. And and we saw this against Kansas city in the second half of the AFC championship game where they were only rushing three and ADG would be a perfect guy to have in there as a spy for Tua. Um, I, I, there, there are ways to get him on the field, but you're right. It's everybody wants everybody to play more snaps and there's, there's only 11 guys you can put out there. Uh, It's, it's a great thing to have this kind of depth. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, that's been dropping questions in there. There's too much madness happening in the comments for me to be able to get to all of them. But we want to make sure we get three. Uh, one from email, one from Twitter, one from the YouTube comments. We appreciate everybody for uh, for coming in. Uh, let's go. It's Arby's time, Jay. Uh, any related Bengals insight excerpts, stories? Uh, what do you uh, What do you got this week? I just – I. I don't remember this being the case in the past. And, um, you know, you you went on the road to Dallas. They didn't win that game. That postgame locker room, I yes, at home, they can get the music thumping because they got their own nice sound system. I don't know who brought it, but it was the biggest speaker I've seen, and it was blaring. It was crazy how loud it was in that postgame locker room. And uh, I'm not, I would like to, Thank whoever it was. I don't know who it was. It might have been Emily. It might have been PJ, someone with the Bengals media relations. Uh, we were about halfway through our conversation with Ted Karras, and you can hear it on my recorded interview where the volume just gradually goes about half of what it was. But um, it, it was 
it was noticeable. Um, it was, it was like a club in there. It was so loud and, uh, just kind of a, a fun environment for a team that, that got their first win after Owen two start. It got to have it kind of win. Um, it was fun to see, but I hope it goes away. I hope they lose that speaker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is from you, the man who brought the giant brings the giant speaker to the, uh, to the beach every year. Right. I mean, you're the king yes. of giant speakers. This is right in your wheelhouse. It's not work time though. That's play time. Nobody's working on the beach where there's people that have jobs to do in the locker room. Yeah. Well, the, as, as we all know, that doesn't, they don't matter. care. We no. are scum of the earth. <laughs> uh, so, all right. Uh, let's, uh, mine, uh, as you pull in, it's hard to miss it. The Amazon truck bonanza you're used to when you show up on game, you know, up game week as it gets closer. The the TV trucks roll in and they take up. Usually, there's a bunch of spots on one side of the parking lot outside of the main deck, and occasionally there will be a few out on the street. They have taken over downtown. I mean, they <laughs> they are down multiple streets lining the entire way. I I I mean, Amazon. I think they said that they have 350 people credentialed to work this game. Yeah. Uh, and it may, they had more than that, I think, last week in, in Cleveland. Maybe their numbers even got up. I haven't heard the latest updated numbers, but uh, it is unreal the amount of manpower and horsepower that they have put into this operation. Amazon not messing around, at least in uh, what they what they're shipping in. And, you know, we're all just going to be working for Amazon for too long anyway, Jay. I will say that I, from the the first two games I've watched that they've done, the production level is elite. That, yeah, it's very they, good. They're, they're, they're not just sending guys in to, to get credentials and be part of the game. They're, they're all have working functions, and they, they are making a broadcast look very, very good. Yeah, and some of the best of the best. I mean, you know, you know, obviously the crew on TV. We're talking about Herb Street, mm. Al Michaels. Uh, I mean that that also filters down through everybody that they've had. I mean, top producers, all, all the all some of the best people that that do it, and that makes it look like a very professional production. They're not trying to be some janky special thing that like just full of you know like the the bad was that. What is it? The, the Apple TV and baseball. It's just, it's just, it's not, it's not trying to be some different janky thing that's hard to watch. Uh, it's, it's really clean, and I think it's, it's a great production. But you can tell when they roll into town, they roll in deeper than I've ever seen anybody uh, roll into town. All right, let's, uh, let's get to growler bet, RPB, and prediction. Growler bet, Jay. Uh, we have a winner from last week. Uh, the, the question was at what time would the Bengals' first touchdown be in the game? And they and they fit right into where you guys were mostly guessing. Uh, it ended up being that snap was at 9.45. We gave you within five seconds in either direction. There were two people who got within that, so congratulations. But we only reward one, whoever was closest. So congratulations to... Randy Keller, who had was only off by three seconds at nine minutes and forty eight seconds uh, in the game, gets the win and some delicious fifty West beer uh, that can be had at our next picked up at our next live event that we do. So, congratulations to you! Uh, shout out to somebody who's named America at not on the left uh, nine forty one off behind by just one second. So, congratulations, but. So close. Sorry about that. Um, all right, let's go to this week's Bengals growler bet. Jay, what do we? We think we're going to do Jalen 
Waddle and Tyreek Hill combined receiving yards. Yeah. Um, Got to hit it on the button, not giving away anything else. No, no buffers this week. Um, I, I'm going to go 202. I'm not sure which one of them tops 100, but I, I think one of them gets up over 100. And uh, I don't think they both go off, but give me an average of 101 for the two of them. And the palindrome of 202 will be my guess. All right, 202 for Jay. I'm saying 173. I do think they keep him in check a little bit, but look, those guys are going to get some. And the Bengals have given up yards. They just haven't given up touchdowns. That's been a big difference. So I think you can see the yards get up there. But the question will be, what happens in the red zone? Do the Dolphins score? Do they break this run that the Bengals have of limiting the damage? Uh, All right, run, pass, or boot. Jay, what do we have from last week's run, pass, or boot? Uh, We had the most likely to happen. And they almost all three happened. It was four plus sacks for the Bengals defense, four plus turnovers by the offense. Oh, no, that was that did not happen. I thought it was a different way. I totally scored this wrong. Four plus sacks by the Bengals defense, four plus turnovers by the offense, four plus touchdowns for the offense. Um, So the four plus four plus sacks is the only one that hit. We both ran with that one. So that goes down as a push. The uh, the Bengals offense did not turn the ball over, and they came close. They had three tu- they Well, they they had one turnover with the Jamar Chase fumble. Uh, they had three touchdowns. It a chance to get another one. It was a goal to goal situation. The Jamar Chase pushed out of bounds at the pylon. Initially ruled out at the one. They overturned it. Uh, they settled for a field goal on that drive. So they only got three touchdowns. Um, so no, neither one of us won. We both ran with the correct answer. All right, good for us. Look at us. We're very yeah. smart. Uh, all right, this week's run pass or boot is going to be about explosive plays. It's really what to watch with the Dolphins, right? Are they going to get Hill and Waddle loose over the top? They've certainly done it a bunch this year. Uh, Jalen Waddle, who's second in yards, he has a touchdown of 42 yards. He's also caught balls of 59, 45, 33, and 32. Tyree Kill, seventh in yards. He's caught touchdowns of 48 and 60. He's got catches of 26, 23, and 22. They break them off in big chunks. Asked Luan Rumo yesterday, look, what, what is it? What, do you, what is Thursday about? Stop the explosives. Limit the explosives. Do that, and, and you take away their hammer, right? And so can they do that? Can they counter Hill and Waddle by limiting explosive plays? So run, pass, or boot, explosive plays, which means a play of 20-plus yards. Zero to one, two or three, or four plus. How many will the Dolphins have? Zero to one, two to three, four plus. Jay. Uh, I'm going to run with two or three. I'm tempted to run with four plus, um, but I'll pass on the four plus and I'll boot the zero to one. Um, I just, they're, they're too explosive. If, if we lowered this, because I think a lot of teams count runs of 12 or more as explosive runs but if we're just saying any play of 20 or more i don't know that you're going to see the dolphins rip off a 20 yard run uh so i'll 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 go with two or three pass on four plus and boot one or zero or one i'm actually going to do the same um i'm going to do the same i i do think they limit the explosives a little bit but even then i mean teams have been able to get out on them i mean every team has kind of seemed to find a way to get a few of those um, and with the Dolphins specializing at Mike McDaniel at the helm, I think they find a way. But a fun chess match, certainly, between Anarumo and McDaniel in that 
regard. Um, all right, prediction time. Jay, what do you got? <laughs> I said it wasn't going to be a crazy wild shootout, but I think it's going to be high scoring. And I'm you you went under, right? Um, I'm I'm going to go over. I'm going Bengals thirty one, Dolphins thirty. Wow, thirty one thirty. So Dolphins cover and L. Yeah, for you. Um, yeah, the shootout. I don't. I don't know that I buy shootout. I, I just don't. I I I think the Bengals defense is going to hold up. Yeah, you know, the Dolphins' defense is not exactly uh, world beaters. They have given up a bunch of passing yards. They seem like they can be exposed in that way. But I just, you know, they're still, even with the early breakout against the Jets, there's still the clunkiness going on with the Bengals' offense. I don't know that they're in full form yet. I could see, you know, a bad couple of quarters in there, two good quarters, two bad quarters, like we've kind of seen them have almost every week at this point. Um, so for that fact, uh, I'm going to – but I think the Bengals' defense is going to be part of what carries them and what we end up talking about. Again, I've been saying it all year, and it has been. When they won, it's been a big part of it. I mean, it continues mm-hmm. to be uh, a big storyline. This is their stiffest test. I think they respond to it. Um, I do think the Dolphins get three scores, but uh, – Bengals 23, Dolphins 21, McPherson at the gun from 49. I'm going to try to hit the number like I did against Tennessee last year in the playoffs. Uh, so we're going to go McPherson at the gun from 49, 23, 21, Bengals. Uh, all right, that will wrap us up for today. Tomorrow, Andrew Whitworth and Willie Anderson two-on-two two with us here. Very excited about that. Uh, so look for that coming into your feeds very soon going to be a great conversation and going to be great to uh have both of them here in town for this weekend uh two mm-hmm. bengals legends so it should be fun uh and then the walkout of course will be waiting on you friday morning as uh you get up from whatever happens between the bengals and dolphins on amazon and wcpo uh on thursday night so thanks everybody for listening we'll talk to you next time have a good one everybody